Our next retreat is finally here. It's called Adventures in Energetics, and it's happening November 8th to the 14th, 2024 in Boquete, Panama. This seven-day, six-night retreat in the beautiful cloud forest of Panama is going to be a unique experience. This program is a not-for-beginners retreat. And what I mean by that is you will actually have to fill out an application before you will be accepted to be able to register for the program because we are going to be doing more advanced level energetics and I need to make sure that everybody who comes is actually ready for the work. We will be doing a Kundalini awakening. We will be doing group visioning process called a spiritual canoe. We will be doing daily presence practices and working on expanding our energy. We will be doing daily rituals. This process will be related to specifically the people who are there because in addition to filling out the questionnaire about what your experience is, you're also gonna ask for what it is that you'd like to learn. So part of the curriculum for this is set and part of it will be designed around the desires of the participants. I only have 20 beds available for this retreat, so it will fill up quickly. So this is the time to register. Do not wait. To find out more, go to kellysparta.com forward slash retreat. I look forward to seeing you there. Another blood red sunset and yet another moon face and still another hundred miles to my next resting place. Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon, within my car I'm all but feeling good and feeling strong Knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself I'm driving Hi guys, so this is not our normal podcast episode for Spirit Sherpa. Instead, today I'm going to drop an episode for you of a friend of mine's podcast and it's called World Awakenings by Carl Gruber. And uh, he is interviewing Gary Renard, who is a really well-known teacher in A Course of Miracles. And I thought you guys would love the content. So enjoy. And if you like it, go, go subscribe to his show. It's awesome. Have a good one. This is World Awakenings, the fast track to enlightenment with me, your host, Carl Gruber. World Awakenings is a podcast dedicated to opening your mind, your heart, and your eyes to the fact that the world's population is now, more than ever, awakening to the truth of all things metaphysical and spiritual, and just how much they play an all-important role in our moment-to-moment -moment daily life. So come with me on this enlightening experience as I interview metaphysical and spiritual experts as we discuss and debate and delve deep into the hows and whys of this worldwide awakening. Welcome you to the World Awakenings Podcast. Before we start, we'd like to tell you about a special ebook written by the show's host, Carl Gruber. 
the three pillars, a simple three-step process to manifest positive and permanent change in your life. The concise 32-page Three Pillars ebook will teach you how to become a successful and consistent co-creator of your life path with the Law of Attraction. Yes, you can manifest the life you truly desire, and the ebook is absolutely free. Simply go to Carl's website, carlgruberlifecoach.com. That's K-A-R-L-G-R-U-B-E-R, lifecoach.com. Click on the header title, About Me, and get the free download today. Carl Gruber's free ebook, The Three Pillars, will positively change your life. All right, everyone, welcome once again to World Awakenings, the fast track to enlightenment. My name is Carl Gruber. I'm the host and the producer of this podcast. This is episode number 17. And as usual, we always have some of the finest teachers uh, and and, uh, authors and instructors of all things spiritual and metaphysical. We've always emphasized the teachings of A Course in Miracles. And today, uh, episode number 17, I am just over the moon happy about this because uh, I have a, a person that I have followed and millions of people now follow Gary Renard, who used to be a hermit in Maine. <laughs> and now he's uh, living in, in L.A. Gary Renard, of course, is the author of four books, Disappearance of the Universe, Your Immortal Reality. Love Has Forgotten No One, and his latest and fourth book, The Lifetimes When Jesus and Buddha Knew Each Other, which is just phenomenal stuff. And Gary, welcome aboard, and thank you so much for taking the time to join World Awakenings. It's my pleasure, Carl. Uh, It's always good to talk to you. Well, you've come a long, long way in your life, I believe, uh, and I always try to talk to uh, our viewers and listeners, uh, like this is all new. They've never heard any of this also. So I know you do a lot of interviews, so forgive me for rehashing many things that you already know. But but uh, I believe, for, well, for the, the viewers who don't realize, uh, Gary, many, many, many years ago, I think this started in 1992, uh, was uh, fortunate to have two ascended masters appear to him in his living room, which was awesome. Uh, their names are Art and Persa. And since 1992, you've uh, come a long way from Maine, Gary. Boy, I sure have. Um, yeah, it's been uh, quite a trip. And uh, really the first phase of it was the writing of my first book, which uh, took, well, 10 years from the time that my teachers first appeared to me to the time that the book was actually finished. So that alone was 10 years uh, of my life. And it was a very strong learning period for me. Uh, You can tell from the book that this first universe, it follows a very clear timeline. And you can see my teachers teaching me all these things about uh, spirituality, uh, what Jesus was like and what they were like 2,000 years ago. And of course, miracles, uh, non-duality, things like that. And it took me 10 years you know, to really get what they were saying. And uh, they took their time. Uh, fortunately for me, I had a lot of time because I had been living a very busy life in Massachusetts before that. 
uh, in the Boston area. I was a musician. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a pretty, you know, fast, busy kind of uh, lifestyle. And then I moved to uh, Maine. That was at the beginning of 1990. And I can't say that I really liked it there at first. And it was almost uh, three years that I was there when I decided that I didn't like it and I was going to go back to uh, Massachusetts. And I remember I took my uh, guitar out of the closet and I started practicing. Mm-hmm. And I was singing and playing the guitar. And both of my hands were occupied playing. And all of a sudden, I felt uh, another hand. And this hand started to push down on the guitar. It mm-hmm. actually started pushing it down and me along with it toward the floor. And I'm thinking, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> but I'm the kind of uh, a person who looks for signs. And that was a sign. And the sign was no. Uh, you're not supposed to do that anymore. You know, it's like you've been there, you know, you've done that. Uh, there's something else that you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, about two months later, I found out what it was that I was supposed to do. And I think ever since maybe the second or third appearance by my teacher's art in person, all that I've really wanted to do since then was spirituality and A Course in Miracles, even though it would be 10 years before I would be ready to actually, you know, talk to people uh, on a good level about A Course in Miracles. I never would have understood the course if it wasn't for my teachers. You know, I know that. And the truth is most people don't understand A Course in Miracles, and then they go out and teach it anyway. (laughs) But uh, after 10 years, I was ready. And it's really hard for me to believe that my first book didn't come out until I was like 52 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, that was 16 years ago. You know, I'm 68 now. And uh, it's like a, a whole new phase of my life started when I was 52 years old. So that shows you, uh, you never know what's just around the corner. You never know what good thing might happen. Oh, absolutely. You know, Gary, I have to say, um, for those of of people who have read Disappearance of the Universe, which I think today I read somewhere, maybe I think it's in the front of your latest book that uh, the world considers uh, your books, especially Disappearance, like the cliff notes of, of the ACIM, which I think is great. But when I read about the very first time that Arten and Persa, you have you were sitting in your living room, I believe, meditating at the time, and you open your eyes, and where there was no beings in the chair, in the in the couch in front of you before you open your eyes, and all of a sudden, there were two of them. And you you were relatively cool about that. I mean, you had to be a, a tad surprised. Well, it was a very uh, surreal experience. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I couldn't, you know, I'm trying to figure out What's going on? You know, have I been meditating too much? You know, uh, you know, what's going on here? Because I, I knew I couldn't have stuck in there because the doors were locked. And they looked like very normal people, mm-hmm. except they were very good looking. But aside from that, uh, you know, they looked like normal people. Down the road a ways, they actually let me uh, touch them. And you would think that they were just like us, you would, except the fact that they looked so good. And... Uh, I'm not saying you don't look good. I'm just saying <laughs> well, that, uh, okay. you're an exception. And uh, it took me uh, years and years 
to figure out what they really were, because what they really are is the Holy Spirit appearing as art and person. Just like you have the voice of Jesus appearing in the Course in Miracles, when you know Jesus now is totally identified with the Holy Spirit because he is spirit. You know, and art and person are spirit. So there's a couple of things that uh, people should know about art and, and person. First of all, uh, Course in Miracles says about the Holy Spirit, uh, his is the voice for God and is therefore taken form. This form is not his reality. So the Holy Spirit's reality is still spirit. And spirit is perfect oneness, according to the Course, and that hasn't changed. Uh, the difference between God and the voice for God is that the Holy Spirit takes on a form. And the reason that the Holy Spirit takes on a form is because it has to. Because if it didn't, then we'd never be able to hear it. Mm-hmm. Now, that form could be uh, an idea. You know, an idea has a shape to it, has, you know, something behind it. It's not totally abstract like uh, the natural condition of the mind is, according to the Course. Uh, the other thing is, there's a uh, great quotation from A Course in Miracles that Arden and Persa had me use at the very beginning of the Disperse of the Universe. And I did not understand this at all, at first, for the life of me. But it says, there are those who have reached God directly, retaining no trace of worldly limits and remembering their own identity perfectly. These might be called the teachers of teachers because although they are no longer visible, their image can yet be called upon and they will appear when and where it is helpful for them to do so. So what it is with Arda and Purser is that they have ascended, like Jesus. Uh, they have gone home to God. They are totally in a condition of spirit. But the Holy Spirit can still uh, call upon their image. And sometimes even people might be able to call upon uh, the images of those who have gone before us. And the Holy Spirit will use these images, whether it comes in the form of an idea or a voice or even an apparition which I've come to learn is more common in, in other parts of the world than in the United States. The United States is a pretty conservative place. And the Holy Spirit appears to people in whatever way is best for them, in whatever way they can accept and understand. And I guess that the Holy Spirit thought that it was time that enough people were ready for the Holy Spirit to appear as art and versa and explain what the true meaning of, of the Course in Miracles was and what Jesus was talking about, not just in the Course of Miracles, but also uh, 2,000 years ago. So it's just that people were ready for this. They were ready for this book and uh, ready for the other books. They're part and first of the teachers in all four books. And uh, we are going to do a fifth one. Yeah, and I was going to ask about that. We're excited to find out about that. Well, it's going to be a while. It's not going to be out <laughs> next year. It's going to be at least two years. Well, heck, the first one took 10 years, right? That's right. And then people get mad at me because I took seven years to write my third book. <laughs> but they don't understand how much I was uh, traveling. You know, by then I was going out and doing like 40 workshops a year. And uh, I can't write when I'm traveling. There's too many distractions, so much to do. So I have to be at home in order to write. And, uh, you know, I'm to a point right now where I've, you know, cut from like 40 workshops a year back to 20 which gives me you know, an extra few months a year uh, to write. So 
I think this book will get done faster than the others. And uh, the least amount of time I've ever taken to write a book is three years. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's already been uh, almost two years since I put out. Well, just just quickly, I know that when uh, the first couple books, Artin and Persa, allowed you to use recording so that you had a reference. But uh, I, was it your third book? Um, you you didn't record, and you had to use your memory. Was that very difficult? Well, they figured that by then I should be able to hear them better in between visits, mm. because uh, after all, as I was saying, they are the Holy Spirit. Yes. So. Uh, their attitude was, look, you should be able to hear us better. We're going to communicate with you. And if you mess things up, we'll edit you. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't hear them perfectly, but I could hear them pretty well. So my books aren't perfect, but they are, you know, very, very close. And uh, I keep getting better at hearing the Holy Spirit all the time. And uh, that never stops. But I think that uh, the main thing is, the more you do your work, the more you do your forgiveness homework. What that does, as the Course teaches, is it undoes the ego. Mm-hmm. And as you undo the ego, you gain more and more access to the Holy Spirit. You can actually hear the Holy Spirit's voice more clearly as you go along. I think... Uh, that is going. No, I, I think what I'd like to ask, and, and, and the reason is because you said earlier when you were getting ready to publish and did publish Disappearance of the Universe... Um, that it was felt that the world was ready for this. And one of the reasons I started this show, World Awakening is a Fast Track to Enlightenment, is, is it seems now, now more than ever that the population of the world is awakening to all things spiritual and, and enlightening. Uh, and in your eyes, uh, do you feel that the population of the world has made any progress uh, towards uh, what we're talking about here since you began? Uh, yes. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, you're not going to see that on the news. You know, this, no, yeah. uh, you know the news media is going to tell you the 20 worst things that happened in the world that day. And, yeah, they'll give you one positive story at the end, but by then it's too late. You know, so uh, you're not going to hear too much about the spiritual progress that the human race is making but I see it. You know, I go out there a lot. I meet a lot of people. And I talk to a lot of people. And I see it. You know, I, I can see the progress that's being made. And Arden Persa said that there are more enlightened people in the world today than there have ever been. Yeah. And I think, of course, Miracles has uh, something to do with that. But a lot of them are Buddhists, too. And some Hindus and Shintos, of course, and people who are into Taoism and Zen Buddhism. But uh, I think the Course has... You know, a lot to do with it. By the way, uh, you mentioned about people being ready. Uh, there's something that a lot of people don't know. Uh, this first universe official publication date was May the 1st, uh, 2003. Mm-hmm. Also, on that exact same day, there was a book published called The Secret Gospel of Thomas by Elaine Pagels, who is the uh, professor of religion at Princeton. And on that exact same day, that those two books were published, The Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown wow. was also published on that same day. Wow. And uh, when I say that, you know, people are ready, what yeah. happens is these, these ideas are in the unconscious mind. And when people are ready for them, they come to the surface. 
-hmm. and they show up on the level of the conscious. So uh, obviously people were ready for all these ideas to come out at once. And I saw something similar happen back in the 1970s, which really made A Course in Miracles possible. And that was uh, that there were certain things that happened. For example, uh, the Nag Hammadi Library that has uh, Gospels like the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Philip, uh, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene were finally translated into English. And they came to the West. And all of a sudden you had all these ideas, uh, all these Eastern ideas coming into Western society and being integrated into Western philosophy. You could see it in things like the S uh, training, which I did, which had a lot of uh, you know, Eastern ideas and Zen ideas. And uh, you know, the Vatican allowed their scholars to start studying these gospels, these alternative gospels in 1965. And Jesus started dictating A Course in Miracles to Helen Schuckman in 1965. Mm. And I don't think that that's a coincidence. I think <laughs> uh, you can see how all these things fit together. And it made more people ready to accept Eastern ideas. Even though the Course is put in uh, Christian terminology, the words don't mean the same as Christianity means them. I think I just read uh, in your book uh, that you said that the ACIM, A Course in Miracles, has more in common with Buddhism, even though it's written in Christian vernacular. I think that's true. And, you know, I've, I've taught uh, several times uh, in Japan and uh, North, well, South Korea and uh, Taiwan. and I've been to mainland China a couple of times to teach. And they recognize the Buddhism in A Course in Miracles because Buddhism is their main religion and they can see it even better than we can uh, in the Course. And I think that's one of the reasons that they relate to it. Plus, I get a younger audience for some reason in Asia. Mm -hmm. And I won't go into the politics of it, but uh, I think the younger generation in Asia is, is ready for something new. You know, mm -hmm. They're tired of communism, they're tired of the corruption, they're tired of all the BS. And, uh, you know, they love the Course because it's radical and, and it tells the truth and they can recognize that. So uh, that, that's pretty exciting for the future in Asia. Maybe not this minute, but, you know, as a younger generation takes over eventually, I think that it's very promising uh, you know, to see this kind of spirituality coming alive mm -hmm. in Asia. And they have to be careful because, especially on the mainland of China, they're not crazy about God or religion. Well, you know, no matter what part of the world they're from, I, you know, I want to ask, what seems to be the, the hardest thing about the non-dualistic teachings of, of the A Course in Miracles for people to understand? What is the hardest part? I think it's the uh, absolutist nature of it, because uh, non-dualism, and as my course described it, pure non-dualism, recognizes that God is the only reality. And that the absolute truth, according to my teachers and disappearance, is simply God is. And that's the absolute truth. Now, I think that it's not too hard for uh, course students to get that God is. I think the hard part for them to understand is that nothing else is. You know, so what the course is saying is that only God is real. Only God and his kingdom are real. And nothing else is true. Period. And I think that is difficult uh, for people to understand because they wake up in the morning with the world in their face. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
when the going gets tough, it can be hard to hang on to that Holy Ghost current, you know, so uh, it's a lot easier. Now, the Course says that it's simple. Uh, the reason that it says that it's simple is because it's saying, look, uh, you may think that there are, you know, billions of people out there and trillions of objects to choose between, but the truth is there are only two things, and only one of them is real. That's why the Course says, be vigilant only for God and his kingdom. And, uh, you know, that's not easy to do. It oh, is no. simple because there's only two things to choose between. Yeah. But it's hard to do. And uh, you never, you know, hear anybody say that the Course is easy. I've heard maybe one person say that. He had wrote a book called The Course of Miracles Made Easy. And he didn't make it easy. No. You know, because he didn't uh, really get the magnitude of the Course and what it's saying. And the Course is saying just that, that only God is real and that there's this kind of like this veil that is covering over the truth. Uh, it reminds me of something that Jesus said 2,000 years ago. Uh, you can see this in the Gospel of Thomas. The disciples went up to Jesus and we said, you know, uh, when will the kingdom come? And he said, well, it will not come by watching for it. It will not be said, behold here or behold there. Rather, the kingdom of the Father is spread out upon the earth, and people do not see it. Well, the reason that they don't see it is because it's out of their awareness. You know, there's like this uh, veil of illusion that is covering over the truth. But the truth hasn't gone anywhere. It's still here. It always has been. You know, heaven isn't some uh, distant, abstract place. Heaven is here right now. And it's out of people's awareness. And this is where you have to remember that A Course in Miracles is a very big teaching. You know, when it talks about your natural inheritance, you know, it's uh, talking about nothing less than the kingdom of heaven. You know, the whole thing. That's your natural inheritance. Not human love. You know, a lot of uh, people kind of like bring the Course down to the human level and Make like, oh yeah, you choose love instead of fear, and that's it. Well, no, the Course is much bigger than that. It's saying that you're choosing God and his kingdom over the illusion of the world and the universe. You know, you're choosing between two very big things, and, and one of them is just an illusion. So what you need to do is you need to realize that there is a reality, and this is true of all people. Their reality is not the image that you are seeing. Because they are not really human beings. They are not really people. What they really are is not part of it. You know, the Course teaches that spirit is not a partial attribute. Uh, spirit is all of it. Perfect oneness. You know, so it's, you have to differentiate between that idea and the idea of having an individual soul, uh, which is still a separation idea because it implies an individual identity and separate existence. And what the Course is saying is, no, none of that is true. There's only one thing that is true, and that is perfect oneness, which is why it describes heaven as the awareness of perfect oneness and the knowledge that there is nothing else, you know, nothing else outside this oneness, nothing else within, and that's all there is. And what you want to do is you want to overlook the illusion, and, you know, when people are acting out, they're acting crazy, and, well, you forgive them not because they really did something. You forgive them because they haven't really done anything, and this is because the principle of the atonement in the Course 
uh, says very clearly that the separation never occurred. So in other words, you never really left heaven. Mm-hmm. You're still there. And you're having a dream of this. You know, so the Course says you are at home in God, dreaming of exile, but perfectly capable of awakening to reality. So what we want to do is undo the ego through a kind of forgiveness that doesn't make it real, but that makes it unreal, and undo the ego and replace the ego with the vision of the Holy Spirit. And the Course teaches that everywhere the Holy Spirit looks, he sees himself, because the Holy Spirit overlooks the illusion, overlooks the craziness that people are doing when they're acting out. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Course would say, well, what they're really doing is uh, calling out for love. And uh, you forgive them, and you replace the false image, and the Course does use that word to describe people at the end in in the text. You know, and choose once again, it says, the images you make uh, cannot prevail against what God himself would have you be. You know, so as you go along, you learn to like overlook the craziness, overlook, uh, you know, the body, and realize that the Course is right when it says, I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. Well, if you're still as God created you, then you're exactly the same as God, because God doesn't do different. God doesn't do separation. God does perfect love, uh, perfect oneness, and that is what you are. And that's what the Course is saying when it says, teach only love, for that is what you are. It's not talking about a, just an individual human kind of love. It's talking about uh, the same love as God, because you are the same as God. Now, that may sound uh, arrogant to some people. You know, to say that you're the same as God, you might as well be saying that you are God. But uh, that's not arrogance, according to the Course. What is arrogant, according to the Course, is to think that you can be separate from God. To think that you can take on this individual identity and this personal existence, which is nothing but ego. And to think that you could be separate from your Source. And the Course is saying, well, actually, that's impossible and that the separation never occurred, except in a dream, but dreams aren't real, and neither is what you've been experiencing uh, this whole time. But there is a reality just beyond the veil that you can replace that false illusion with, and that reality is, is the kingdom of heaven, which is yours, and you don't have to earn it. You know, uh, it was given to you as a gift. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you know, God, it's your natural inheritance because God gave it to you as a gift. If somebody gives you a Christmas present, you don't have to earn it, but you do have to awaken to it. Mm -hmm. And you awaken to it by changing the way that you look at everything and seeing it the way that the Holy Spirit sees it. You know, taking on the Holy Spirit's vision, which the Course would also eventually call Christ's vision, instead of that individual human vision that you've come uh, to rely on. And if you do that, then there's a very important law of the mind that the Course articulates. It says, as you see him, you will see yourself. And it must be pretty important, because then it says, never forget this. Mm-hmm. You know, in that person, you will either find yourself or lose yourself. So by overlooking the false image, by overlooking the body, and thinking of that person as being this perfect spirit, Uh, which is not a partial attribute, which is all of it, exactly the same as God, when you do that, you're also sending a message to your own unconscious mind that that's what you are, that you are exactly the same as God. 
because that's the way that the mind uh, works. You know, if you could get down deep enough into the mind, you would find that there's only one mind because there's only one of us. You know, well, there's Gary, one, you, one ego appearing as many. You've covered so much beautiful ground here. I, I have been an ardent student of A Course in Miracles for the past 15 years on a daily basis. And talking about what is what is the hardest thing for people to accept about it. And I think that as a beginning student, you're going, oh, man, this guy is nuts. What are they talking about? But I have found that gradually over the time and the years, then you start to understand. And, and as you incorporate it into your daily life, um, I remember uh, – I interviewed and talked to your wife, Cindy Laura Renard, uh, this past year, and we had a great conversation, and I was telling her I had gone on a trip to visit my brother in Northern California, and for an entire week, I was kind of in a state of bliss, and I didn't even realize it until I got back. I was just looking at everybody with love, and I was just imagining seeing uh, angels uh, guarding everybody and walking, and and it was was a beautiful experience. It was a week-long experience, but... The more you study it, the more you you begin to live it, and and it's amazing how much the A Course in Miracles on a daily basis of reading emphasizes. There's only two choices, and, and that is um, a choice for heaven or a choice for hell. And you really you hit that uh, really well. Yeah, uh, the course actually implies pretty clearly that this world and universe is hell. And it says about uh, the Holy Spirit, he would not leave you alone in dreams of hell, but would awaken you. And uh, that's what we're up to, and it takes a while. Now, this is not a short-term spiritual path. Uh, This is a long-term spiritual path. It's a lifelong spiritual path, and it's not for everybody. And I don't pretend uh, that it is, and I don't expect everybody to embrace my books or to embrace A Course in Miracles. Uh, It's not the easiest spiritual path in the world. But when you start to understand the thought system and how all all the different components of it fit together and how they all complement each other into one uh, beautiful thought system, you start to realize more and more that it's true and that what the Course is saying is true. I don't think you get that at first. I don't think most people get that at first. In fact, most people will do the workbook. If they finish the workbook at the end of it, they'll find out that the whole workbook was actually an introduction. <laughs> oh. That, that it wasn't yeah. the whole course. That Crazy. it says this course is a beginning, not an end. And it means that you're going to have to apply it the rest of your life if you want to. But you'll want to if you want to save time. You know, the course says that the chief aim of the miracle worker, which is anyone who practices, you know, a certain kind of forgiveness that doesn't make it real. You know, uh, you know, a chief function of the miracle worker is to save time. And uh, it talks about the Holy Spirit uh, collapsing time for you. It says that the miracle can substitute for learning that may have taken thousands of years. You know, so obviously you're talking about saving countless lifetimes. Right. Time and time is just not a few minutes. You're talking about could be thousand years, a, a hundred lifetimes. Who knows? Absolutely. And uh, I think that people who are really interested in doing that stick with the course because they realize that it does that and that's doing it for them. And their experience starts to change. Uh, they start to become more peaceful and uh, have different kinds of experiences than they used to. And, and situations come up that used to upset them 
And all of a sudden, they're surprised to see that that same situation isn't upsetting them anymore. And uh, it's a different way of life, and it's a better way of life. And I think part of the irony of the whole thing is that you can still have your normal life, too. Mm -hmm. Because the Course doesn't call uh, for sacrifice. It, It doesn't ask you to give up anything. You know, and in fact, in most cases, you're going to, have to do the same things and have the same things that you would have anyway, uh, unless the Holy Spirit guides you to change things a little, which does happen occasionally. So, you know, some people may just study the Course, and they don't even tell anybody that they're studying the Course, because you don't have to, because this is all done uh, at the level of the mind, not at the level of the physical. And... Uh, you know, some people will tell people, like Cindy and I, we, we tell people about the Course because we've been guided that we should do that. But that's not for everybody. Everybody doesn't have to do that. And you don't have to give up anything. And uh, you actually end up enjoying your life more mm-hmm. because as you practice forgiveness, the Holy Spirit is literally removing uh, unconscious guilt from your mind. You're actually being healed by the Holy Spirit, you do your part, which is to forgive whatever there, you know, in front of your face on any given day. And the Course teaches that the Holy Spirit actually has a bigger part than you do, that the Holy Spirit is actually healing your mind at the same time, undoing the ego, undoing this unconscious guilt that's in your mind that can be traced all the way back to the original idea of separation from God and the uh, tremendous guilt that that uh, kind of like put into the unconscious mind on this massive metaphysical level that is totally unconscious. Most people don't know about it. Yeah, they're aware of a certain amount of guilt, but that's just the uh, conscious part. You know, the unconscious part is much bigger than that, and the Holy Spirit can see your unconscious mind, even though you can't. So you do your part, and then you start to realize that what you're seeing out there in the world is a projection that is coming from you. It's coming from your own unconscious mind. And it is a symbolic representation of that which exists in your own unconscious mind, seen as being outside of you. So the Course teaches that what the student sees is his own guilt, seen as being outside of him. But it's not really outside of you. Because the Course also teaches that ideas leave not their source. They don't leave their source. So Uh, A projection appears to be outside of you, but the truth is it's still there in your mind. The cause of it is still there in your mind. It's the cause that you have to deal with. So the Course says this is a course in cause and not effect. You know, so, yeah, you're forgiving what looks like the effect, but you know that what's really being healed is the cause, and it's being healed by the Holy Spirit. And all that you have to do is your part which, once again, may not always be easy. And by the way, if you don't forgive right away, uh, you can do it later. You know, you don't have to do it every second. Uh, You know, what is a a memory but a picture in your mind? Mm -hmm. So you can forgive something that happened 30 years ago. You know, maybe you were abused as a child or something. And I'm not saying something like that is easy to forgive. It's not. But it is possible. Because eventually, as you go along, you get the idea that the Course is right when it says that there is no order of difficulty in miracles. Uh, yeah, they're all the, the same. That's they're line one Line one on page one. There's no order of difficulty in miracles. Yeah, I remember the first time I read that. Uh, 
<laughs> I bought my first copy of the course in Auburn, Maine. Yeah. And I picked it up and I started reading it. It was like, what the hell is this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think when I, I met you many years ago at one of your workshops in Cincinnati and you signed my copy of uh, Disappearance and we chatted a little bit and, and we both agreed. We When we first started reading a, a course, it was like, what is this stuff? Is it a foreign language? Because uh, it's written in iam- iambic pentameter like Shakespeare. <laughs> which is That's right. And uh, it's also a nonlinear uh, presentation. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't spell things out for you in order for you to get it. Uh, it starts out with its most uh, advanced ideas. Those first 50 miracles principles uh, contain some very advanced ideas that you can only understand through repetition and through sticking with the course, I think, for a long time. Mm. You know, I've got to ask you, I mean, you've been teaching uh, about A Course in Miracles and writing and traveling the globe for a long time now. And as we as we know, uh, millions upon tens of millions of people are, are receptive. But do you ever still get any kind of pushback from, or criticism from the media or people or people you know? Uh, a little. Uh, actually, there's been less, I would say, oh, you know, I would say the last uh, eight or nine years, there's been less. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot more pushback at first. I would say the first uh, you know, six, seven years that uh, since my book came out and I was a teacher, I got a lot of BS those first <laughs> uh, seven or eight years. And uh, that was more out of jealousy from other course teachers. Well, I think one of your your great stories uh, is worth rehashing is when you were on the all-night talk show that had a a couple million listeners. Uh, George, somebody was a host, and and he was kind of yelling at you, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That was Coast to Coast uh, AM, George Norrie, who at that time had about 5 million. Wow. And uh, I don't know, for some reason, this was threatening to him. Plus, he, you know, he wasn't excited about interviewing me because he had just interviewed, you know, in the two hours before me, he had interviewed his hero, uh, Ray Bradbury. Oh, He's yeah. He's writer. Right. And he was all gaga over him. And then it's like, you know, who's this kid? You know, who's this guy uh, talking about oneness? He's like me talking about oneness. At one point, he starts yelling at me. He says, if you use the word oneness one more time, I'm going through the roof. <laughs> right? And uh, he was pretty rude to me. And the funny part about it is I don't think that he intended to help me, mm. but that's exactly what happened because he was yelling at me and everything. And people could tell that, you know, I was keeping my cool and I didn't react. And I had been talking about practicing forgiveness and they could see that I was practicing forgiveness. And the sales of my book took off like crazy. Yeah. After that show. Thank you, George. <laughs> yeah, which is exactly the opposite of what you'd expect. But people right. could see that I wasn't just talking about this stuff, that I was actually doing it. Because you were practicing true quantum forgiveness. Yeah. And, you know, I actually uh, met him again after that in a restaurant, and we got along fine. And, you know, it just wasn't his best night, that's all. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I have to ask you, you know, so for since uh, 27 years now, I guess that's right, uh, you've had Artin and Persa coming to you. How are those guys? I mean, you let's go back to a moment to the, the fifth uh, book. Do you, do you have a, a, a topic that you can reveal? I mean, is it something that, that's worth talking about? Well, I'm not going to say much about it. I can't give you the title, but 
I can tell you that the basic theme of the book is about uh, going all the way home. You know, it's about finishing the job. It's about attaining enlightenment, actually waking up, what it's like, what the experience is like. And I think it'll act as kind of a guide uh, for people who are kind of like getting into the uh, final phase of their journey, who are, you know, maybe uh, they're going to achieve enlightenment in this lifetime. And of course, whether that happens depends on how much they want it, because the more that you want it, the more that you will do your forgiveness work, and the more that you will actually live this. So uh, when the Course says about the words, you know, I want the peace of God, it says that to say these words is nothing, but to mean these words is everything. And you show that you mean it by doing that forgiveness work, you know, by having the intention of forgiving uh, the world, really, because, you know, that's what Jesus did. And yeah, I, I say, wow, I, that sounds like a lot of work, you know, forgiving the world. And I realized that it takes more time to judge people than it does to forgive them. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can learn how to forgive people, and, and you can do it in one second. Something happens, you forgive, it's over. Mm-hmm. But if you're not going to forgive them, then, like the Course says, he who would not forgive must condemn for he must justify his failure to forgive. So if you're not going to forgive somebody, then you're going to make up this whole story in your mind about why they are not worthy of your forgiveness. It would take less time to just forgive them. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, forgiveness actually saves you time. You know, once you get used to doing it, once you practice, and you know, it might take you 10 years uh, you know, to get good at practicing forgiveness. And when you take that route, you're giving up attack. You're giving up attack thoughts, attacking another person. Right. Uh, one of my favorite workbook lessons is, I can escape from the world I see by giving up attack thoughts. And uh, I remember when I really tried to apply that, because I would have uh, thoughts you know, from the past where people practically abused me, mm. and uh, I would remember these things, and they were bad memories. And... Uh, when I applied that lesson, I can escape from the world I see by giving up attack thoughts. Not only could I forgive it, but eventually I found myself having different memories. Oh. It's kind of strange. I actually started to remember the times when that person was actually nice to me. Yeah. You know, because everyone, you know, is in a condition of duality here, or else they wouldn't be here uh, in the first place. And most people, even people who were unkind to you, may have expressed some kind of love or, or some kind of, uh, you know, good will toward you uh, at some time or another. And I found myself remembering those things instead of the negative things after a while. And that's what the Course calls uh, selective remembering. Yes. You know, you start to get so much into a condition of love that you start to remember the loving things more than the hurtful things, which I think is pretty interesting. Well, it, it's amazing the path that you can take uh, as a, when when you start studying the ACIM. Uh, I think when when I first started um, studying it and learning, I say, "Well, this is great stuff." And the urges go out, and I want to tell you about this, but but you know, not everybody's ready for the message. And and, and I think the best advice that I ever heard from you and from from the ACIM is, is just love them. You know, there's, you know, there's, there's people on the far right, extreme religious uh, sect, and you're not going to go out and change their mind. You just love them. And and that's beautiful advice. I love it. That is so true. You know, uh, I remember about a year and two months ago, 
Cindy and I were on Kauai doing a retreat, and we, we happened to go to a luau. And we got seated at a table with these people. I could just tell from the way that they were talking that they were very conservative evangelicals mm. you know, from uh, the Midwest. And, and I could just tell that. I don't think Cindy picked up on it uh, too much because she starts talking about A Course in Miracles. <laughs> and she starts talking about how the voice of Jesus is the voice of A Course in Miracles. And, and she was saying this to these people? Yeah. Oh, Okay. And after a few minutes, these people did not want to talk to us. <laughs> they didn't want to have anything to do with us. Oh. They might have thought that we were Satan. You know, and I'm thinking, Cindy, please, you know, you be a little bit more discerning about, you know, who you choose to, uh, to tell about this, especially strangers. You know, you just want to see where they're coming from Yeah. Uh, before you start, you know, going on and on about this. So we felt so uncomfortable sitting with them after a while that we actually left. We left the little while. It just didn't feel right. You know, I'm going to go back to, for, to a moment. I um, was asked how Art and Impersa are, but I know in some of your books they've, they've uh, put forth a few prognostications. Uh, is there anything, uh, have they done any more of that? Is there anything that you care to reveal, or is that something that might be in, in one of your books, your, your new book? Well, everything uh, so far is in the first four books. Uh, they haven't done any in the new book because we've only done one chapter. So we have a ways to go. Mm, yeah. Uh, in fact, I'm finishing my book with Cindy first. We're writing a book about relationships. Mm-hmm. And I hope that that will be out uh, oh, in January or February. And, uh, you know, we're busy doing that, and uh, we do online classes which if anybody wants to find out about them, they just go to my website. Yeah, I was going to mention that. That's very cool. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I didn't know if I'd like it or not, but uh, it's been a year now, and I really am enjoying it. So they can go to GaryRenard.com and find out about that. Uh, I'll make announcements about Cindy in my book uh, in January or February, and after that I'll be going you know, full speed ahead with the fifth book, with Art in Person. So, uh, you know, we'll be busy. We still do workshops. I don't do as many as I used to, but it's still quite a bit. And between that and the online classes and writing, we're pretty busy. And, uh, you know, I'm, you know, pretty optimistic about, you know, what's coming up in the next uh, couple of years. You know, I, I have to ask you this. I mean, I mean, where you're at, what, what you teach, what the uh, uh, A Course in Miracles teaches, what's, what's your thoughts and I, it's almost like I feel compelled to ask it. What's your thoughts on the current state of the government and the situation, of course, in the United States, but even the world? I mean, what can we do as A Course in Miracles students and teachers? To I mean, the, the, it, seemingly on the outward, what we see, the world is just nuts right now. It's gone crazy. Yeah, well, uh, the world is insane, and the Course is very clear about that. But it also says that you are no longer holy and sane. <laughs> right. Thank you. Which I, I took as a hell of a compliment. Yeah, right. And uh, I said, yeah, I'll put that on my resume. And uh, the truth <laughs> is that what we can do first and foremost is forgive. Arden first has said, look, Gary, if the people of the Course of Miracles don't forgive, then who will? You know, it's a dirty job, but somebody has to do it. Mm-hmm. And the irony is, is that you're the one who is getting the benefits of your own forgiveness. Just 
doesn't look that way at first. You know, it looks like you're forgiving the world. It looks like you're forgiving other people. But here's the course saying that there is no world. And then you have to ask yourself, well, why did I make up a world like this? You know, God didn't make this world. Now, why did I make up a world like this? Well, I made up a world like this because I want to see my own guilt as being outside of me. I want to see it as being out there in the world. I wanted to make a world that has uh, bad things like global warming, for example, climate change, uh, because I wanted the guilt to be in those bastards out there who are making that happen. Yeah, I wanted them to be the guilty ones, not me. And that's the real purpose of the world uh, that we see. But because we made it, then the Course points out pretty early, I'm not a victim of the world I see. And the secret of salvation is that you are doing this to yourself. You know, so then you start to realize, wait a minute, you know, I'm seeing this uh, terrible world out there, but I wanted that world to be out there. Uh, that's the basis of the dream, as we were teaching in our last uh, class. You know, the basis of the dream is that you wanted it, and you wanted it for a reason. And the reason that you wanted it was because now the guilt isn't in you, uh, it's out there in the world, it's out there in them. And if you look with the ego, uh, it's not going to take you too long to find somebody else who's to blame. <laughs> Mm -hmm. of everything that's happening. And uh, except for people who project the unconscious guilt onto themselves, some people, maybe one in five, uh, project the unconscious guilt onto their own psyche and their own uh, seeming body. Not that they're really in a body, but it looks that way. It's a very clever trick uh, of the ego. And uh, when they do that, well, that's what leads to suicide and things like that. Uh, Cindy is writing about that right now. And I think that suicide is one of the most difficult problems in the world. Oh, yeah. Uh, more yeah. people die from suicide than die in wars. And so, uh, you know, it's a, a problem that has to do with the guilt that's in the mind. And the only way out, uh, the only way to break that pattern is to break the thought patterns. You know, you have to uh, be able to train people. And this is something that Arden talked about doing in his final a lifetime. He was a psychiatrist, but he didn't uh, prescribe much medicine to people unless they really, really uh, needed it. What he worked on was changing their thought patterns. And I know from uh, personal experience, because I was you know, pretty depressed, well, I'd say I was clinically depressed mm. from the time I was about 14 to the time I was about 28, just before I got on a spiritual path. And at that time, that was like half of my life. And uh, it was a pretty miserable uh, existence. But fortunately for me, I got a thought system. That was the ESP training at that time. And it was a good thought system, not as great as A Course in Miracles. A Course in Miracles is uh, the best I've seen, and I, I've been looking for 40 years. And, uh, you know, I would say that what you have to do is you have to break the thought patterns, which is what that thought pattern did for me. Uh, it was changed by having a good thought system that allowed me to reinterpret everything. Mm -hmm. It made everything new again. And uh, the Course does that. It makes everything new again. It gives you a whole new way of looking at everything. And I think that's what's necessary to break that pattern of depression and anxiety and uh, self-loathing and guilt and suicide and the whole uh, can of worms. You know, it's by changing, by starting by changing thought patterns and uh, giving somebody a good thought system. Well, Gary, you know, I, I'm not going to try to keep you much longer because I, I know I, I told you I try to keep this an hour. But I, I have to say, I mean, everything you just said, the world's insane and all these things. Uh, 
I personally have just in the last couple of weeks have been led to a lot of reading and literature and studying on healing. And even this morning I got up and I read lesson 137 and it says, when I am healed, I'm not healed alone. How can the population, how can the people of the world, the viewers right now, how can, how can they begin to heal themselves? Well, anybody uh, has the capability uh, to do this. You don't have to have a super uh, intellect. I think you have to be fairly smart, but I don't think that you have to be a genius. I think you have to be determined. <laughs> so I think, you, as I was saying earlier, you got to really want it uh, to do this. I mean, why does a piano player sit there every day and practice? Mm, it's right. because they really want it. You know, they to, <laughs> if they didn't want it bad enough, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't sit there every day and practice. And uh, Course in Miracles is no different. If you want the results, if you want to be great at forgiveness, and if you want to wake up in this lifetime, then you have to want it badly enough to actually do the forgiveness work that the Course is teaching. So, you know, you find yourself reacting with the ego or even just feeling a little bit anxious. Any uncomfortability, that's the ego. Because the Holy Spirit wouldn't make you feel uncomfortable. And you've got to recognize that right away and stop yourself. And then, if you do that, you can take the second step, what the Course would call the holy instant, and you can switch to the right teacher. You know, you can choose the Holy Spirit as your teacher instead of the ego. The Holy Spirit has a totally different story about what's going on. The ego wants you to make it real. The ego likes this idea of separation. It wants to keep the game going. And the Holy Spirit is saying, look, uh, it's not real. Don't make it real. You know, there's one mantra I can think of that the Course would have you say, don't make it real. Then you can forgive from the Holy Spirit's point of view, which is that nothing's happened. Uh, the separation never occurred, which is the principle of the atonement. And your sole responsibility as a miracle worker is to accept the atonement for yourself, to accept the truth for yourself. So they're still home in God. You're still home in God. That's why they're innocent. Uh, that's why you're innocent. And you can take that and, and embrace it. And then you can go with the third step, which most course students don't do. And make sure and replace it with something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not uh, enough to go around saying the world is an illusion. The world is an illusion. It's not real. You've got to replace it with something uh, in your mind. And you'll notice all through A Course in Miracles, Jesus will describe the ego, yes. And it can be pretty graphic at times. Yeah. But he never leaves it there. You know, he doesn't leave you hanging. He always brings you to the Holy Spirit. You know, then there'll be another paragraph, and this will be the Holy Spirit's alternative to that. So you notice that he's always replacing the ego with the Holy Spirit, and that's what you want to do. Uh, you want to replace the idea of separation with the idea of wholeness and oneness, which is the condition of heaven. And you want to think of that reality that is just beyond the veil, you know, just beyond the world of illusion. And that is something that is permanent. That is something that doesn't change. Reality doesn't shift or change. Uh, the Course says whatever is true is eternal and cannot change or be changed. And by the way, the word uh, eternal means without time. It doesn't imply a long, long time. It means without time. There is no time, which means there is no next. Uh, there is no time-based ideas, which is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, as you may be surprised at how different reality is <laughs> from what you're experiencing. Yeah. And uh, it is possible to experience that reality. While you appear to be here, you may have glimpses of it. You may have an actual experience 
with your perfect oneness with God. And once you have that experience, you never go back because you realize that that's reality and it has to be reality because it's so much real, so much more real than what we're experiencing uh, right now that it has to be true. And Gary, what, what Art and Impersive have allowed you to experience have been some amazing, amazing experiences. And of course, I'll just tell the viewers, read Gary's books because you will, your jaw will drop when we find out some of the experiences that Art and Impersive took you through. I'm going to ask one last question. You, you recently sent out an email about a young lady named Elzina who is supposedly uh, the uh, reincarnation of Helen Shuckman, the scribe of the ACIM. Any comments or thoughts on that? Uh, you, you evidently felt it was worth sending out an email about it. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I, I talked with Alexander about it, and she's fine with it. And we both agree that the real purpose of that is not to make it real, not to make bodies real. Uh, the purpose of it was because we know that there's somebody out there who is going to say that they are the reincarnation of Helen Chuck. And then they're going to teach something that isn't really the same Ooh. as A Course in Miracles. And I really think that that would be a disservice uh, to all course students and to the course itself. And we already have enough people out there teaching the course who aren't really teaching the course. We don't need someone who might convince people, oh, I'm the reincarnation of Helen Chuck, and this is what the course is supposed to really mean. You know, and... Uh, we did that to kind of like circumvent that, you know, and to prevent that from happening in the future. And, and Arden and Purse actually did something uh, similar in uh, the second book. They said they would only appear to me. Mm-hmm. Now, they didn't say that because there's anything special about me or to make the body real. They said that to stop other people from saying that Arden and Purse were appearing to them and that this is what they said. And it would be something different than what they're teaching in my books. And they didn't want that to happen. And they must have known what they were doing because just a few months after that, there was this guy in Wisconsin who used to call himself the master teacher of The Course in Miracles. Mm. And he had this uh, cult. And he started saying that Arden and Purser were appearing to him, but that he could hear them better than me. Oh, no. Just to, uh, you know, enable himself to say that they were supporting his points of view, even though he wasn't even teaching The Course for Real. Wow. So they knew what they were doing then. And, uh, you know, I talked to Arden first in my mind, and they, and they were the original ones that had the idea of making this one announcement about Alzena. Mm. And I pretty much, you know, said all that I'm going to say about it. There may be more in my next book, and maybe not. Maybe uh, there's many more uh, to add to that. Maybe the ball is in Alzena's court as to whether or not in the future she chooses to go public and start teaching A Course in Miracles. And that's totally up to her. Uh, if she wants to, I'd say, great. Uh, if she doesn't want to, then I would say, well, look, you know, Arden and Persa didn't teach the course in their final lifetime. So there's no reason why I should expect Alzheimer to if she doesn't want to. So that's totally her decision. You know, she has free will, just like the rest of us. And I'll leave that totally up to her. And I'm not going to be saying a lot about it aside from what I've already said, unless uh, Art and Percy bring it up in the fifth book. And, of course, I would talk to them about it uh, as much or as little as they want to. Well, well, I have to say, Helen hasn't been gone that long. She didn't mess around. She decided, I better come back. I have more work to do here. And that is beautiful. Well, thank you for uh, telling about that uh, to us. And 
You know, we're, I'm going to uh, finish up here. I, we've been talking to uh, Gary Renard, uh, a global teacher of A Course in Miracles and author of four beautiful books. I encourage everybody to uh, to uh, start with uh, Disappearance of, of the Universe, his first book, and work through all four with a fifth coming out soon. And Gary, I... Um, I consider you and your, your wife, Cindy, uh, my friends. And, and if uh, next time I make it out to L.A., I'm going to see if you guys want to go get some coffee or something. But what an honor to have you you on my show. Uh, I know you're a busy man, and, and thank you so much. And one last question. When are you moving to Hawaii? <laughs> well, uh, that's still uh, possible. Oh, cool. Hawaii. But you have to understand, I haven't been Hawaii-deprived like uh since, you know, I've probably been to Hawaii twice in my whole life before my first book came out. Right. Since then, I've been there at least 20 times. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Sweet. So uh, it's not that I haven't gotten to experience uh, Hawaii. And we may go there eventually. A lot depends on what happens in the next couple of years. Right. You know, I can see it's going out there in three or four years. There's still uh, the possibility of my books being made into a TV series. And I am talking to a producer uh, about that here in Hollywood, and you know, uh, that remains to be seen. Nice. So, uh, a lot depends on if that happens and how much time it takes, you know, for it to happen. Uh, by the way, I just want to say two quick things about reincarnation. First of all, the reason that the Course teaches that reincarnation is impossible is because you never actually go into a body. Uh, you've never been in a body, so you don't actually incarnate. It's a trick. You know, the body is actually in your mind, and, and your body is actually a part of the same projection as everything else that you're seeing. It's just a clever trick of the ego because it appears to be so close to you, and you appear to be inside of it when you're actually not. Just like uh, you appear to be in the world, but you're actually not. It's a projection that is coming from you. So you never actually incarnate, uh, but you do have the experience. It's a false experience, but you do have the experience, and it's very much a dream. And that's all that it is. And the other thing about it is that it's not linear. Uh, depending on what you do in this lifetime and how much you learn or don't learn, uh, your next dream lifetime, as we'll put it, uh, could be 500 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, you could go back to any other time or in, in, even into the future. So, uh, you know, more than just 100 years, maybe 1,000 years. It, it depends on uh, what your mind needs to learn. So it's not time progressive. Not always. It can be uh, linear at times, but at times it can be nonlinear and go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's you know it's very interesting. It really depends on what your mind is ready for. I think. Well, in one of your books, Art and Persa gave you an amazing display of uh, personal experience. I think they showed you uh, all of your lifetimes, and it took an entire hour to to see them all. Yeah, and uh, the experience that I took away from that was, look, if I've seemingly occupied all these bodies, you know, all these different bodies, then how can this one be so important? You know, why do I make this one so important if I've been in all of these uh, different bodies? One of them even looked like uh, an alien, and I believe it is possible sure. you know, for us to be other beings other than human beings. But I think we stick mostly to being uh, human because of the lessons that we need to learn. And by the way, the lessons that you learn in this lifetime that are being presented to you are the same ones that were presented to you in other lifetimes. Uh, 
the meaning remains the same. The form changes. You know, obviously things didn't look the same 500 years ago as they do today. But the meaning is the same. You know, uh, somebody stabs you in the back, you know, 500 years ago. You stab them in the back or they stab you in the back this time around. It's, it's like, you know, it's really the same lessons, which is why if you can complete all of your forgiveness lessons in one lifetime, then that heals all of them. Not just this one. Uh, heals all of them. Because you have, uh, you know, gotten to the point where you can forgive anything and everything. And uh, if you can really get to that point, then you don't need to come back here uh, anymore. I think one of the beautiful things about forgiveness is when Persa said to you, Gary, you have to forgive everybody. And you said, wait, even Hitler? And she said, yes, Gary, even Hitler. And that's beautiful. Boy, that's something yeah. to really contemplate. Yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend to most people to, to go out and say that. <laughs> but, yeah. Because uh, you can get a lot of people upset by saying things that, according to the Course, would make total sense, but which they're not used to and which they're not ready for. So, uh, you know, sometimes it's wise to keep your own counsel mm-hmm. and to just forgive at the level of the mind where it is, where the, this is supposed to be done anyway. You know, don't forget, it says this is a course in mind training. You know, so uh, it's all done at the level of the mind. And then when it comes to what you say in public, that's where you should look to the Holy Spirit in your mind and you know, try to get into the habit of being guided you know, by the Holy Spirit, which I know you do, but I'm just saying to everyone, uh, you know, get yourself into the habit of looking to the Holy Spirit. Put the Holy Spirit in charge of your day. Uh, and think of the Holy Spirit when you can. And look for guidance. And if you choose to listen, then the Holy Spirit will be there for you. Uh, the Course says that the Holy Spirit will respond to your slightest invitation. So, uh, you know, if you do that, then the Holy Spirit will cooperate. Gary, with that, I'm going to let you go here. And thank you for uh, for hanging out with us. I'm sorry I kept you so long, but just an absolute wealth of beautiful information and love. And, and uh, Gary, I'm, I'm so grateful. Thank you again for being on World Awakenings here, the, the podcast, the Fast Track to Enlightenment. And, uh, Gary, all I can say is uh, aloha and mahalo. Uh, thank you, Carl. I appreciate that. <laughs> Aloha and mahalo. Mahalo means thank you for those of you that don't know. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, I consider you to be a true friend. So thank you very much. Oh, that means a lot. Thank you, Gary. This has been another episode of World Awakenings, the fast track to enlightenment with me, your host, Carl Gruber, a certified law of attraction life coach. I welcome you to tune in to each and every episode of this podcast, World Awakenings, as we open your mind, your heart, and your eyes to the fact that all of the world's population is now, more than ever, awakening to the truth of all things metaphysical and spiritual, and just how much they play an all-important role in our moment-to-moment, everyday life. Much love and light to you, my friend. Thank you for tuning in. Another blood-red sunset and yet another moon face And still another hundred miles to my next resting place Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon Within my car
Are you waking up to the spiritual world and realizing that you have no idea what you're doing, but you feel like you kind of probably should, especially since you seem to be seeing things and feeling things and having things see you that maybe aren't so great and that you might want to actually control your experience of that. Well, I have great news for you because our Welcome to the Woo program does just that for you. It teaches you how to hold your energy field, manage your energy field, clear your energy field, protect your energy field, and learn how to protect your space. And you learn how to do basic divination and talk to your guides so that you feel like you actually have a clue and have a way to talk to the guides that will help you to figure everything else out. And it teaches you how to make sure that you feel mentally, emotionally, and energetically safe. That means that we also deal with things like fear and anxiety and worry and dread and self-doubt and inner and outer judgments. And we help you build a foundation of self-support and courage. All of these things together create a solid sense of safety in your own life. They will reduce your stress levels in half, guaranteed. So visit the website at kellysparta.com and find out more about the Welcome to the Woo program. Your future awaits.